Hey everyone, welcome back to Latter Day Takes. Hope you all have been having a great week. I'm going to keep this intro pretty short because we got a long one today, folks, but it's good. I actually was fine just letting this one ride because I felt like we had a lot of good things to say, if I do say so myself, and I think it'll be enjoyable. Just sit back, let the tape roll, and just enjoy your day while you're listening to three morons talk about Utah BYU football, history of the rivalry, what they think about the upcoming game, and just all the dynamics therein. And what I like about this one is that it's not just like this, oh, let's just talk about BYU football, but there's a lot of back and forths between BYU and Utah, getting different perspectives of each other's schools, teams, things like that. Very civil, pretty entertaining. I hope you enjoy it. Hope you all have a great weekend. And of course, go Cougs. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mormons are really nice people. Totally nice. They are the yes. best cult. Have you ever, under the influence of alcohol, questioned the teachings of the Mormon church? Well, these Mormons are so nice. Everybody's so nice. <laughs> Everybody's so nice in Utah. They're all Mormon, right? Yeah. So they're not most drinking. Of it, and they're like not cussing. They're like, Slovis, you stink. <laughs> I'm afraid it was the Mormons. Yes, yes the Mormons were the correct answer. Because God loves Mormons and he wants some more. Shout out to the Latter day Saints. We are, we are live in studio. I got Chase Bart, the regular psychopath that I bring on my show every now and then. And then recurring guest and friend of the show, Casey Sato, resident Utah fan, University of Utah. Big connections to the university, season ticket holder. Needed him in the studio. Want to get his thoughts more than anything right off the bat of the intro of my last episode when I gave the story of the two Arizona fans that had my back and went after the Utah fan because I called all Utah fans jerks. I mean, uh, instant reaction, I also equally hate all Arizona fans. They're the, oh, really? They're like the second worst uh, team. They're probably my second least favorite team. Who's the, the first? Arizona State. Oh, I can see that. There's bad blood there, actually. I, oh, that I, I hate know. Arizona yeah. State. But I absolutely hate Arizona. Both Arizona schools, they can get just... Why do you help. think that is, actually? I don't know. Huh. But, I actually agree with that. I, I lived in Arizona for a number of years, and ASU fans were starting to piss me off more than Utah fans in a lot of ways because they had this unwarranted dislike of BYU. Like, I get it why Utah fans don't like us, but Arizona State fans, like, we don't even play each other that often. Like, what is where's the disdain there? Interesting. Yeah, and then, like, for Arizona, like, man, they're so – they just – still root for their team that they that knowingly cheats like sean miller is the scum oh basketball, basketball yeah coach yeah i was gonna say i didn't hear much country, football because like, herm edwards now like the arizona state's got that whole thing which i don't think there's much there but i thought that's what you're talking well about, and then arizona there was rich rod basketball. during the whole arizona you know he was there at, at was there Spirit. was there some shenanigans going on for that no rich but rod? rich rod's scummy too like eh, i can, he, I, I can know, see that come from yeah. michigan it's i just so you know coogs and cats disliking the utes Apart for the course. Yeah. All right. But, I mean. <laughs> Not much there, though? I mean, yeah, we're scummy fans, too. I'm fine, I'm fine with that. 
So hey, at least you own I, it, man. Listen, I'm fine. Like Utah fans being, uh, you know, getting riled up in Las Vegas. You may not like this next thing that I'm going to say, and it's a theory I have. Okay. The best of the best Utah fans are equal to any of the best BYU fans, so to speak. I know it's all subjective. What does the sure. best mean, right? But I think, like, some of the best people I know are Utah fans. Some of the best people I know are BYU fans. Like, there's no difference between those two. Like, they're all, like, all in the 100 percentile or whatever of just being good people. Sure. But there are way more terrible Utah fans. <laughs> and here <laughs> – I knew you were going to roll your eyes. <laughs> I knew it. So the the reason I'm saying that – here's the thing. BYU fans are harmless and they're nerdy. Like, the bad BYU fans are, like, just – they're zoobs, dude. Like, honestly, like, they're not, they're not you're not scared of them. Utah fans, I'm like, these guys, like, might kill me. I'm not sure. Well, it's like the polar end of the spectrum, right? It's the – the 10% or the 20% of crazy Utah fans, I agree with you. They're they're nuts. And they're, like, crazier than the, the worst 20% of BYU fans is my point. 100%. Okay, but, so that's, but, that's but, really all but, I'm saying. But, but on the flip side, the scummiest and weirdest 10 to 20% of the BYU fans are equally, like, scary because of how freaking weird they are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. I like, that. You're kind of like, yeah. oh, man, like, you're, you're like – way off the charts weird and they're like delusional and stuff yeah they're way delusional they like legit think god's mansion is made of just byu logos and stuff and those are always the ones which i actually think that which pisses me off like when they when espn like pans on to like a group of like a small group of fans it's always the weird ones wearing like a banana suit at the game or something like that there was actually a few in the arizona game they showed they're wearing banana suits i hate that stuff what is going on yeah what are you doing Yeah. yeah you know what's funny do you remember the the guys that would dress up like in all blue like the green man on It's Always Sunny, yeah, like Charlie uh, doing that. Uh, there were BYU fans that did that, but all blue. One of those guys turned out to be my roommate in Texas. Hmm. One of the guys that dressed up in all blue, and I was like, yeah, that makes sense, actually. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, he was a good guy, but it was... I mean, both fans have their, have their quirks. No, no question. No question, so dude. That, I, that's... I do not exonerate BYU yeah. fans in general by any means. Like, In fact, I even have this, too. It's like most of the time, and now I'm... You know, I'm, I probably shouldn't say this because there's really close people to me that are all about this. And I and I wear BYU stuff in public, but I swear 80, 80 to 85% of the time when I see BYU fans wearing BYU stuff in public when it's not a game day or anything, they always just look weird. They always just, like, look nerdy. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's more – like, here's the thing. Like, I, when I've lived out of state, I have a lot more pride in wearing a BYU shirt around. But when you're in Utah, it's just – I don't know. I, I, I don't do it as often, but – I'm probably the weird one, I'll be honest. Yeah. Like I'm probably like not a real BYU fan or whatever, but mm. I don't know. Anyway, so I, I needed to get your thoughts on that because... Uh, I mean, it's a great story. Thank you. I appreciate it. I mean, like... I, like Cats and Cougs, like, probably top four, like, least favorite fan bases. I take that as a compliment, yeah. No, and I mean, the point being is like, dude, if I would have heard a Utah fan, like if I were somehow found myself for one at a Utah game playing some team that was going to play BYU. Like, say, for example, BYU's in, say BYU's in the Big 12, and I'm at, for whatever reason, I'm at a Utah-West Virginia game. Sure. And these Utah fans are like, hey, man, like, we're cool, but West Virginia's playing BYU this year. Uh, just know that I'm a West Virginia fan that day because BYU fans are the worst. They're stupid. They're ter- I'm not going to turn around and be like, how dare you? <laughs> I'm just going to be like, whatever. This guy's doing his thing. Like, I get it. Like, it's 
Anyway, that was I thought it was ridiculous, but it was hilarious that those guys stepped right in and they were just like, <laughs> "I don't know, I could see you inserting yourself into a conversation." I don't think you really could. <laughs> like, you know, if it gets I mean, I get that I have a podcast, so it's like I want to get my opinion out there, but in a public setting like that, I don't I'm trying to be honest with myself here. I don't think I would do that. Think if like the Utah fan was really going after BYU. The only way I might, honestly, is if they were like, "Hey, all no joke, dude, no joke. All BYU fans are jackasses." I might do this. I can attest to that. I'm a jackass right here, big time. BYU fan. <laughs> like, uh, I might just own it. Like, I could see myself doing that at most. Okay. I'm I not sure I would be like, I don't think I'd contend with the guy on the spot and be like, oh, yeah, bro, you want to say that to my face? I mean, the guy didn't say that, but it was sure. along those lines. I definitely would have inserted myself. Really? Yeah, you would have, actually. That's no surprise. I think most BYU fans would insert. Oh, yeah. You really think so? Absolutely. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I just feel like when it, when you're the neutral person, and what was funny too is that guy was like, I'm cheering for BYU. The guy was like telling me, he's like, I'm here cheering for BYU too, but here you are talking bad about Utah fans. And I'm like, whatever, bro. At the end of the game, when Arizona was only down one possession and they had the ball, mm-hmm. the clock was running with about like two minutes left and it shouldn't have been. And that same guy was like, why is the clock running? Why is the clock running? And oh, it's like, rooting for BYU. oh, really rooting for BYU, are we now? Interesting. <laughs> uh, maybe I was the one that turned him. I don't know. But yeah. anyway. Fun Actually, time. I do fun have time. a funny story about that. Please. That will, will, it ties into later in the podcast. But uh, I remember one time after, I think it was like 2013 or 14, we'd just beaten you. Uh, I, and I was walking out of the stadium. I was like, man. Uh, I, I'm I'm really glad that that game's over with because, like, we we just have so much more to play with with the Pac-12, uh, and so I'm just like having this conversation about like I'm so excited for the Pac-12 uh, season to come up. Like, Oregon's coming into town. I was like, BYU ultimately really doesn't matter to the success of our you know to the success of our season. Right. Um, it's a nice as little, much as I hate that it's true. It's like a feather you know yeah. in our cap. And anyways, this lady walking out with like her her two kids turns around and was like if you don't think this game matters to the utah then then you're out of your mind she's like she got in my BYU, face like, BYU lady. yeah she was, <laughs> she was so mad that i was just my like, goodness totally just like <laughs> so i was like oh okay well thank you for inserting the conversation between me and my friend here <laughs> yeah that's actually crazy. Fine. i'll bring up a, a story that i had similar to that but later on it'll be more relevant um no, that, yeah, I don't doubt it. And here's the thing, you're not wrong. Like, and I get, in, in a roundabout way, the way I see it at least, if that's exactly how the conversation went, there is a sense of respect there. Because you were like, I'm glad it's over with so we can move on. Because clearly BYU is a distraction to Utah, right? Like, it's a it's a meaningful game to them in the sense where it's like, they don't want to lose it. Yeah. Now, granted, does it matter in the terms of how they stand in the Pac-12? Of course not. Of course not. Right. All that matters is their record in the Pac-12. So it makes sense to kind of like move on, get past that. Yep. In a sense, without not acknowledging it, like I don't know, the way I read that is that like there's a there's an amount of respect there, maybe not as much as she was looking for, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, whether or not you want to admit it, <laughs> uh, here's the thing: is if we if Utah loses to BYU, it's gonna piss off the fan base. Mm-hmm. But if they beat them, it's expected. If they beat them, it's it's expected, and it still doesn't really affect the ultimate outcome or the goals of the season of the season right like at this point utah's never going to play for a playoff um the way that the pac-12 set up so the goal is to play in the rose bowl like that's ultimately what i think every utah fan would 
That's like the loss to BYU would keep him out of that, though, wouldn't it? Yeah. Or I guess no, you're right. Because all of Mads are back. Yeah, that's the tie-in. If you of win course, the Pac-12, of you go to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you wouldn't say the same thing if, like, you were playing Michigan or playing Notre Dame or something like that. Like, this is clearly kind of a shot at BYU to some extent. Uh, I think he is though. Ultimately, I mean, so it's like a- yes, yes, and no. So here's yeah. the thing: is is if Utah beats Michigan or Notre Dame or one of those big names, we're put on the radar to potentially actually get a playoff spot. If we play BYU, it's it's like yes, you. If you lose to BYU, you're never going to the playoff. If you lose to Alabama, if you lose to Clemson, you could still, in theory, run run the table in the Pac-12 and go to the playoff. That's fair. But eleven and one Utah team that loses to BYU isn't going to the playoffs. Well, and this is exactly why I'm excited to see what this new BYU to the Big Twelve element does to the rivalry because I think it's going to kind of take away that whole like inferiority complex BYU fans have and kind of the superiority thing that Utah fans have over BYU because now sure. we're both on the same level of like P5 and now you can't like it, that, that dynamic goes away and now we're kind of on equal footing and maybe sure. the game matters again a little bit more to Utah fans. That could be debatable yeah. though because yeah. the Big 12 might be like the ugly stepchild of the Power 5. Oh, so now, now we're going to go. No, but, gonna... but like, but, but in all, like, I mean, Sagarin that's... ratings would actually tell you differently in terms of how it compares to the Pac-12. The, the main difference yeah. between the two, and we don't need to get into this a whole lot right now. For one, it's not even official, but it, Looks like it will. There's be. no flagship. There's no flagship. That's the big difference. There's no blue like you, blood. You have the USC. You have Oregon, which USC these days doesn't mean much. But Oregon's right now like the school in the Pac-12, and they've been. Right. They've always had one school. You have Washington, Oregon. Yeah. USC, there's always been at least yeah. one school that's like a kind of a powerhouse that year. That's hard to, for any school to beat or whatever, yeah. making the playoff, things like that. The Big Twelve, the new Big Twelve, so to speak, doesn't really have that. But top to bottom, they're really just as competitive. Relatively sure, absolutely. Or even more competitive. Well, and the Pac-12 definitely yeah, I mean, has... Year some, in and year out, right? The, the Pac-12 has some proving to do, because last year they were kind of out of the picture, and then this year they were off to a real rough start. With the, I mean, UCLA had a nice win, but everyone else looked like crap. Washington loses to Montana. Oregon almost loses to Fresno State. So Pac-12 is kind of on shaky ground right now. No, it for sure is. Prestige, yeah. Yeah, it for sure is. It's the lovely, effective Larry Scott. Let's get into it then. Uh, we, I believe, so we've got a format here that I'm excited about, and I'm going to kind of let Casey guide it, quite frankly, because he wrote the outline. So I want to, I want to see what he's going to give us. Start us off with a little bit of rivalry history, and we'll go from there and have a little banter, and then talk this Saturday for the game. Perfect. All right. Well, let's give the listeners a little history lesson about the Holy War, please. So, uh, first of all, it begins unofficially. Uh, in 1922? The, uh, unofficially, like I said, unofficially, uh-huh. in the 1890s. Oh, dang. Uh, Utah claims that there was uh, six games played, but BYU does not officially claim those. So there's a little bit of a... Why? Because they were BYA or something? Yes. It's 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 something weird between like... B- Brigham Young Academy, yeah, all-boys school. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So officially, according to both schools... <laughs> The rivalry starts in 1922. According to both schools? Well, like... That's the only it, year they both agree yeah, that they is both, counted. That, that, like, yeah. Okay, the, gotcha. The, the yeah. Both counts, right? And if we're talking, like, historically speaking, uh, Utah dominates the first 50 years of the rivalry between 1922 and roughly uh, to the 1970s. Yeah. 1972. When... So there's the pre... 
Lavelle Edwards era where Utah generally wins most of the games. Who was it? There was a BYU coach that was like the first BYU coach to beat Utah that I I remembered at one point, but I'm sorry. Not not quite sure. But everything changes. 1972, Lavelle Edwards in his first season beats Utah 16-7 and thus starts a run of dominance for essentially the next 20 years uh, where Utah only wins twice. So uh, 18 of 20 years, uh, BYU beats Utah. Uh, within that span, unfortunately or fortunately for BYU fans and unfortunately for Utah fans, BYU uh, wins a national championship, has several, has a uh, Ty Detmer win Heisman Trophy, and ultimately... It's a dynasty. It is, it is a, a dynasty. A relative to all the other schools kind of in the West, it is definitely a dynasty, right? Yep. Pretty depressing for Utah fans. But, fortunately, I was born in 1987. Didn't really have to suffer through any of those shenanigans. And then we have to hear about those past... Uh, well, you and I were both... We were, we were watching it in heaven, though. Like, sure. I was rubbing sure. it in your face, dude. Sure. Yep, you were no rubbing question. it in. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I have at least all those years under my belt. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's the second era of the rivalry. The third era of the rivalry is essentially the Lavelle Edwards and Ron McBride era. Uh, Ron McBride comes to the University of Utah and finally gets a victory in 1993, uh, 34-31. By the way, the coach before Ron McBride, I remember, had a, like, he had a pretty solid record. I think he only got fired because he could never beat BYU, if I'm not much. mistaken. Yep, that's correct. Yeah. That is correct. Uh, so, Which is how I feel about Kalani right now. Anyway. <laughs> so along comes uh, Ron McBride. And uh, the rivalry actually kind of swings pretty in the middle ground. So for between... It almost is like every other year. It yeah, it's like, like every yeah. other year. So, uh, you know... I remember they split the forth. 90s. They split the 90s and 2000, 2010. I remember yep. that. Because I remember love. I remember being like, okay, finally we got two in a row. Like, maybe this can be a thing now. And it just never was. It always yep. evened out. And then not only was it never, we'll, I'm sure we'll get to that. Yep, we'll get to it. Okay, so a couple of... Really famous games within that era, uh, 1998, uh, famously known as the Kanashenko game. Uh, Kanashenko, I like that. Uh, I don't know if I've ever actually heard it put that way. I remember where I was. I w- we had just moved to Utah watching that game, freaking out, just thinking for sure, in the bag, Utah's got it. I also remember Ron McBride was not actually watching the play. He was off to the side with his head down. He wasn't looking. <laughs> And once they, once he shanked it, Kaneshiro, um, he heard the BYU fans cheering, and he got up and started cheering, and then realized that he actually missed it. No joke, that was Ron McBride's oh. reaction. I remember that one hundred percent. Well, that's the first one I for sure remember watching because I got a late start being a BYU fan because I lived in Washington up until '98 was the year I moved to Utah. So that's the first one I for sure remember. The end, that, that whole doink off the yeah, which was the Kaneshiro yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Kaneshiro yeah. year. Okay, so that kind of, you know, in, in the midst of like, you know, in the 90s, there's, you know, blood, bad blood is starting to boil. You got the Kanashenko game, as I, as I call it. Uh, the following year in 1999 uh, is when the 
uh, Utah cheerleader uh, absolutely destroys a BYU fan that runs onto the field and starts <laughs> hanging out with the Utah cheer team. Which was done by none other than Brandon Perry, <laughs> who obviously I didn't know at the time. He was in high school. Um, I was at that game. I was watching, and I was just like, what the freak is going on over there? And it was like this. what I had seen was this guy run onto the field, taking out one of the U of U cheerleaders that was running with the flag around, and then all of a sudden, the U of U cheerleader just got on top of him and just started pounding him. Wait, that was Brandon Perry. That was Brandon Perry. So <laughs> Brandon, Brandon Perry is someone that we know. Okay. Um, who doesn't, like, he'll actually talk to you about it. He's very open about it. Does not really like to talk about it, like, publicly, if that makes sense. I've tried to get him. I wanted to do an oral history with him. I wanted to write it down. I wanted to put it on my blog and just have him, like, take me through the whole thing. Yeah. He's taken me through the whole thing in person but he didn't want to like sit down for an interview he would ne- i'm not i haven't even asked him he would never come on this podcast but yeah brandon perry hmm. fascinating I did, I, you didn't know that i didn't realize that's amazing that. uh so i'm you, gonna erase that part i was gonna say next <laughs> so utah uh wins 20 to 7 in that game and steve smith famously says even our cheerleaders are kicking your butt which is great. God bless Jeez. Steve Smith. Screw Steve. His- okay, Steve in 2000, uh, Lovetta, Lovell Edwards uh, retires, has a famous uh, game-winning drive on the last I remember uh, that last one. Seconds, I remember. Wins 34-27. to 27. I remember thinking we had that game in the bag by around halftime, but then Utah came back in the third quarter, if I'm not mistaken, and then BYU had to come back in the last drive. Yep. of that game. Fourth and 13 with Doman goes deep a couple to times. To Jonathan now, Pittman. I, now I have yeah, to, twice in a row, actually. Yeah. Well, I have to ask. So Utah fans, now that we're 20 years removed from that game, are you kind of glad Lavelle got that one, his last game? Or are you, are you just, nope, I still want... I want you know what's game. funny is my mom uh, famously was like, he deserves to win. Yeah. It's his last <laughs> game. And we have never let, let him get down. Like, I was going like, to say, there's no way. I know Casey well enough. No, there's no, there's, he doesn't care if like, it's Lavelle's sure, last game. Sure, good for Lavelle, but I would Like, he love. respects Lavelle, but a win's a, like, he yeah. doesn't want yeah, to sure. win I against understand. Utah. Yeah, I, I, and I actually can, I would, I'd be the exact same way. Yeah, I get I don't that. want yeah. any good thing to happen yeah, to like Urban Meyer, like, I don't know what the equivalent there is. It's definitely Rom McBride, I guess. I wouldn't care if Ron McBride lost. Well, it's it's every gonna be time. when Kyle Whittingham. It's you know, true. It is gonna be. Career, gosh, so. man. Okay, uh, in two thousand one and two thousand two, it's Croton versus McBride. Um, two thousand one will come up again in this in this yep. podcast. Two thousand one, BYU had a really good team, right? If I recall. Yeah, they were so they were kind of hollow. Their defense was actually garbage, but it was the year we went twelve and zero. The twelfth mm-hmm. win being uh, Utah. Okay. And then Luke Staley got injured. That's right. Oh, wait, no. What The 12th win no, wasn't Utah. Utah. The 12th 11, win was yeah. – 11th win was Utah. 12th win was Mississippi State, but that was only because it was delayed because of September 11th. Mm. They played it after the Utah game. Luke Staley gets injured right near the end of that game. We kick a game-winning field goal. We go 12-0. and 0. We don't have Luke Staley for the next two games. We then subsequently get destroyed by Hawaii in Hawaii and then lose – an ugly bowl game to Louisville, the Liberty Bowl, or yeah, Liberty, Liberty bowl, bowl, I think, yep. yeah. And uh, it was just, we couldn't do anything. Like, yep. it was kind of a close game, but Louisville owned it the whole time. I remember we just couldn't do anything. We had, we, our only touchdown, I think, came from a tackle-eligible play. 28 to 10 was the final With Dustin score. Reichert. Yeah. It was a play that we had never run before, and it's like, tackle-eligible, that was my introduction to tackle-eligible. I didn't know that was a thing, but we made a tackle-eligible play. Dustin Reichert got a touchdown, and that was the only time we scored. It was basically a trick play. It was just ugly. Our offense couldn't score without Luke Staley. It was like BYU without Jimmer that year. Basically, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
I hate it. And now Luke Staley's a Utah fan. I don't know what's going yeah, on. Luke Staley sucks. <laughs> tough, tough beat. Um, all right, so the following season, Utah goes 5-6. and six. Uh, They actually beat Utah 13-6, to six, but ultimately uh, McBride is fired in 2002, which leads into uh, ultimately – Kind of nuts that he got fired. How bad was their 2002 year? 5-6. Uh, and six. Oh, sorry, you said that. And then how bad was their 2001 year? Um, doesn't say, but not great. Yes, it must have not been. He just had kind of been very mediocre. But so he got, I got mediocre. Gotcha. Yep. <laughs> he <laughs> he uh he gets fired in two thousand two, but that's before the two thousand two season. Uh no, he gets fired in two thousand two. So he beats BYU and still gets fired. Correct. Gotcha. Yep. I didn't realize that. Uh, which ushers in the wait. So Urban Meyer, no. Urban Meyer. Yeah, that's right. Urban Meyer only had three years at Utah. Oh, he only had two, two years. Two, two years. years. Oh my goodness. Two. Years. I was gonna say because I thought 05 was Whittingham. Two yep. years. That's crazy. Yep. Yep. Two years. Uh, and essentially, uh, he dominates uh, and introduces the wonderful word of TDS. Uh, I don't care about that they rehash any of this, quite frankly. Uh, team down south. The only thing I've ever liked about Urban Meyer was last year when he had their back as an analyst. He he was actually he was stumping for BYU big time into like getting the playoff for like New Year's Six. I don't know if any of you guys saw those clips. Oh, yeah. That's you know, literally the only time I've liked Urban Meyer, and it's still not enough for me to ever like him ever at all. Period. I hate him. Well, God bless that man. Uh, <laughs> uh, so in two thousand two, um, BYU has a shutout loss, twenty to zero. Uh, is that correct? No, that's no, not right. Three, three to zero. zero. Three to zero. I was three at that zero. game. Yeah, three yeah. to zero, and it, it was terrible weather. It was. I was at was that game. That was, that was okay. my first time in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. I came with you and your family. Oh gosh. Three to nothing. That that was my introduction to being in Lavelle Edwards. I can't believe at the you time, it was became two, such a diehard fan after that, man. Well, no, no, that was it. Was already Lavelle Edwards Stadium. So, so it was the yeah, first. They announced that yeah. before Lavelle yeah. officially retired. It, it was the first shutout uh, for BYU since uh, 1975. Well, and they, they they had the national they had the record for the most games without a shutout going into that game. Yeah. And then they obviously lose three to nothing. Yep. I think we kicked a field goal, but we missed it in that game, if I recall. Oh, and you know what's funny is uh, downtown Jackson Brown, like our third-string quarterback at the time, yeah. is the cousin of the other guy that lives in this house with no me. No way. I did not know that. Yeah, he was the quarterback of that game, that 3-0 shutout. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, we should have him. We should go get him on the pod, get yeah, Chase on the pod. Absolutely. Or maybe Jackson Brown. Maybe we can pull him. <laughs> uh, so in 2004, uh, Utah... Goes 12 and 0, plays in the BCS, uh, beats BYU 52 to 21. After uh, Alex Smith is quoted saying, which is really interesting, he says, "I really hate them. Playing in the game helped me understand they are the most arrogant people. It's the okay. whole church and state thing. They're good kids, we're bad kids. I didn't really feel it in my gut last year like I do now." Yeah, which is incredible because it's basically the same quote. That's the thing, man. Why did he get away with it? But because the freaking (laughs) liberal media in Utah just won't live it down, bro. They'll just like do any excuse they can get. I actually knew about that quote. I knew about that quote. With that said, if you want to break down what they're saying, I would even admit Max Hall is a little bit more pointed and scathing. It is. He's more direct about it. He's more direct, but it's basically the same Same underlying tone. I really hate them. Just because he used the word classless, it's that different? I don't know. I mean, it really just goes to show that it's a commentary that the rivalry is really, like, it's pretty bitter. It's pretty vicious at times. Like, it's it's a legit rivalry that has waned in the last few years. But anyway. Really, essentially, like, 
you know, starting in 92 when McBride got hired is ushering in like the peak years of the rivalry. Um, and I, and I text you guys, there's like a 15 year window where the rivalry is really, really good. And there's like a lot of shenanigans that happens yeah. and as we've already, uh, uh, talked about. So uh, another thing after that 2004 game, uh, Urban Meyer gets hired to Florida. Uh, Gary Croton resigns after his third season, and there's this like fourth, uh, right? Third consecutive losing season. Yeah. Right, you're right. Yeah. Um, and which he he got forced into resigning only because of that debacle with the honor code, like all those like yep. the whole scandal that I happened mean, with he the football was probably team. Probably close based on marriage. Which, well. by the way, I read the book, the the system that highlights that whole story, and actually those guys all got off. All of those BYU football players were exonerated really? in court. It was, still was an ugly situation. It was definitely against honor code BYU standards that w- what went down, but it was not actually raped. Or in a court of law, it was not found that that woman was actually raped. Uh, or yeah, and um, uh, Croton had to resign more because of that, from what I understand, right. as opposed to the three losing seasons, which kind of goes to show how soft BYU is. Let's be honest. Yeah, but that's also before. when they got rid of Val Hale, or maybe forced him into retirement, and Tom Homo actually takes over. Okay. So Tom Homo comes in and has to ha- make basically two big hires right away. Interesting. And the first one being the head coach, and then the basketball coach came a year or two later. So anyway, little side note for you. So uh, along comes with that decision, essentially both uh, schools are fighting over Kyle Whittingham. Uh, Kyle Whittingham is a BYU alum, played linebacker for him. Wins the national championship as the captain of the BYU football team in 84. Yep. And there's this uh, poll between BYU and Utah. And the whole Whittingham family has, like, strong connections to BYU. Absolutely. Like, they're all, like, BYU, like, alums and stuff like that, played, played there, things like that. And I remember hearing stories of what was the one of the, like, the ultimate deciding factors is that his kids were all, they, they, all, they had all grown up as Utah fans. And they be- he was gonna because at one point he was taking the BYU. Yeah, job. this was, is in the system take, as well. This is in the book I read. He was like gonna take the job. He like I think he even told Tom Homo he was taking the job. But the kids were like, Dad, we we're Utah fans, mm-hmm. and Utah is like who we are to the core. We can't go. We can't change now. Yeah, and was it Utah offering him more money as well? I don't know if Utah was yeah. offering him more yeah. money. We'll never know we'll because we never know how much BYU offers. Yeah. yeah. So, we can always kind of speculate. And then it was re- no joke. From what I understand, if I remember right, it was like an hour, an hour later he calls Tom Homo after accepting the job verbally. He's like, I don't think I can take this, actually. And no. Like, he kind of <laughs> felt sick about it, apparently. Yeah. So kind of 11th hour uh, change. Utah uh, is able to... Bronco hire, Mendenhall is, like, packing him. up his stuff, thinking he's like, got to just go elsewhere, find a new job. Yep. And then Bronco obviously gets uh, hired as the head coach, which... Afterthought. Uh, you know, <laughs> unleashes a whole new level of the rivalry because Kyle and Bronco did not like each other. They really didn't. I actually do. So I'm a defender of Bronco to some degree. Like, he's a weird guy. There's no question about that. Sure. I always liked him as a head coach. I thought he was a disciplinarian, and that's exactly what BYU needed if they wanted to have a formidable defense in any regard. And that's exactly what we lacked in the Croton years. Weird guy. But kind of just a straightforward dude. If you understand that he's weird and that he just tries to say facts, that he's generally unemotional, sure. I think he's a little bit easier to understand. Whereas the Utah media, I feel like, hated him. Kyle Whittingham hated him. So it just kind of like everybody hated him that wasn't a BYU fan. He yeah. just got. I feel like he got no help from anyone. That's probably true. 
but anyway. Uh, so Utah wins in the first one. They were both terrible, six and five. Um, Utah wins with a JC quarterback named Brett Ratliff. Which, by the way, was like the second or third string that had only played one game before, and it seemed like BYU just had zero clue how to prepare for that guy. Well, he just scrambled yeah. around all he day. Scrambled. He had got over 100 yards rushing that game, I remember. I, remember. I was at that game. That Same was, here. That was a tough 112 one. yards on that That was John years. Beck's yeah. junior year, and John Beck was like having a promising junior year. Yeah. And we kind of thought there could be something there, and then obviously we saw what happened the next year. So, uh, so the following year, uh, fortunately, I was serving an LDS mission and got to miss the two most heartbreaking losses uh, that have happened. Uh, the first one being back to Harleen. Was that one more heartbreaking than the 09 overtime? Oh, absolutely. Well, no, sorry. 06 definitely was, but was 07. I don't know. I think that's right. 07 and 09 are interchangeable, yeah, I'll, I'll probably. Yeah, about Magic Happens, which, which is great. But Okay, yes, please. My, sorry. My brother, yeah. for sure, uh, would call 07 like the most heartbreaking. He was, he, was he there? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and, anyways, BYU jumps out to a big lead. All these things happen. Last play of the game, uh, Beck is scrambling around. Somehow finds Harleen in the left corner of the end zone. Uh, beats Utah 33-31. That game was yeah. a lot like 2000, by the way. Like, no joke, BYU like was in control in the first half, just yeah. like in 2000. And then somehow Utah just chips away, chips away, and all of a sudden overtakes the lead in the fourth quarter. And all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, what's going on here? They have to come back on the last drive, just like they did in 2000. Those games were very, very similar, I feel like. And then obviously we know the outcome of 2006. Yeah, well, Chase, what do you got? I was in Rice Eccles for that game, and I remember when Beck let that pass go, it was like time stopped in the stadium, and you could hear a pin drop for like a, just two or three seconds. And then Harling, and the thing is, like, you didn't see Harling. If you're you're looking at Beck, and you see him just turn around and just heave a pass behind him, and you don't even see her. Then you look over and see this guy on his knees catching it and that was probably the most euphoric moment of my byu fan <laughs> of your life let's yeah, be honest yeah. it's your life you don't have much going on this is all i've got <laughs> I, so guess where i was guess where i was i was in the mtc gym playing basketball oh that's terrible a friend of mine but they were listening to the radio a friend of mine was icing his ankle or something because he injured to playing basketball a week or two before so he wasn't doing anything and they're, they're listening to it on the, all the all like the oh, the instructors crazy. are listening to it on the radio and I was getting regular score updates Love because of my buddy was just like, and they didn't care that my buddy was there listening with him, which as it should be in the MTC, let's be real. Yep. Um, and he comes out and he's like, honestly, I'm getting updates that we're up the whole game. I'm like feeling good. Then all of a sudden he's like, dude, you won't believe this. BYU just had this unbelievable miracle play right at the end. And I kind of didn't believe him, but he's like, no, for real. Because <laughs> it didn't seem like BYU was going to lose that game. Because it seemed like BYU was a better team going in. And I think... Top to bottom, I think most would agree that they were. Rivalry, obviously, is kind of an X factor you can't really predict. And then the next week, a new missionary brings in actual film from his camera no of recording the like last 15 minutes of that game. I watched it like three times, oh, probably. That's yeah. disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. 2007, uh, it's 10-9 to 9, late in the fourth quarter. BYU came back with a drive. Uh, and famously had a 4th and 18 from its own 12-yard line. Uh, and Austin Collie somehow slipped behind the secondary. How did that happen? It's still a mystery to this day. Because <laughs> um, we saw 06, actually. You see, that if you look at the play, by the way, going back to this, Harleen was wide open because that guy in the defense, that, that well, safety, 
just took off for Beck. He's yeah. like, fine, I'm just going to go tackle this guy. And he does actually hurry Beck. Like, Beck then all of a sudden doesn't have all this much time. That guy comes in, so then Beck scrambles to the right, sees the, who came in to get him, and just tosses it left almost blindly, let's be honest. And then, boom. Yeah, it was because that guy had blitzed that Johnny Harlan was wide open. Anyway. So going back to uh, 07, 4th and 18, Austin Collie somehow slips behind the secondary. He was living like, right, though. Catches a miraculous 4th and 18. Harvey Younger then bowls in. Uh, they take a 17-10 to 10 lead with very little time left in the game. And they win, and Austin Collie is quoted saying, I wouldn't say it was lucky. We executed the play well. Uh, we should have had another one. Obviously, when you're doing uh, what's right on and off the field, I think the Lord steps in and plays a part. Magic happens. <laughs> I remember yeah. at the time when I came back, because I came back from my mission the following year, so I kind of missed that whole thing. And I've been like, what's the big deal? I don't get it. Now that I'm like way more removed from that, like that's un- an unbelievable quote. That is an unbelievable quote. It's utterly absurd. <laughs> and I love it and so much. It really kind of sparked like the ultimate hatred of like Utah fans. Just it was the first time basically a BYU football player had said God is on our side. 100%. Yeah. And there's nothing that will get Utah fans as riled up as being like, oh, you think God is on your side? I do love saying magic happens every now and then, sure. just like fitting that in when I can. Perfect. <laughs> okay, anyways, it's a very famous game in history, and uh, rivalry is, again, very alive and well. Uh, 2008 comes along. Uh, Brian Johnson is the quarterback, uh, leads Utah to another undefeated season. Uh, and they win uh, forty-eight to twenty-four. Uh, Thanks to Max Hall's like four interceptions or something like that. I think it was five. Because there was like, was it five? It might have the, been five. the third quarter was still a relatively close game. Like it was within one possession, and then I think four of his five interceptions probably came in the in the second half. Sure. Well, and I think they were both uh, pretty good that year. I think that was because Utah they was undefeated. And BYU, yeah, they're both ranked. BYU started off like 6-0 and, and they yeah. were in the top 10, and then they kind of fell apart when they lost to TCU and then lost to Utah. But Rough transition here. Sorry, but we had to take a breather because we have ESPN Sports Center playing in the background, and they literally did a four-minute segment on BYU-Utah, the history of the rivalry. They had Steve Young come on and talk about it and reminded us of a couple of things about the rivalry. For one, I didn't realize that we beat them fifty-five to seven. Uh, was that Steve Young's year that they were showing? Maybe Must have been, yeah. something like that. And then, um, what was the other stuff they showed with that rivalry? That was reminding me of some stuff. They talk, I, I hadn't heard this story before, but there was a frozen banana that got <laughs> thrown at Kyle Whittingham's dad, who was the BYU defensive coordinator, and knocked him out. Yeah, that's an awesome story. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, sorta. <laughs> I mean, kind of. It's a also great kind story. of crazy story. <laughs> There's the other one too. Uh, this one I don't. I I don't. They didn't talk about this, but this reminds me. I don't really like it because I really don't like this guy. He's a former BYU guy. I actually think he's a terrible representative of BYU. Is um, Derek Stevenson? Um, he saw his dad getting in a fight with Utah fans and straight up like went into the stands to like help his dad fight Utah fans as a player with like pads on and stuff. All right. I remember hearing that story. Anyway, all right. Sorry about that rough transition. So let's go back into it though, because uh, that was that was like kismet. It okay. was it was just meant to be. Yeah, this is perfect. So this is actually where again uh, we're we're leading into 2009. Uh, we just talked about 2008. Utah goes to uh, the Sugar Bowl and beats Alabama. Kills him. 
I mean, frankly, the greatest moment in my Utah uh, fan life. That it, did, it was incredible. Well, I was there honestly at the at the Superdome. That's a paradigm was, shift for Utah. I feel like that that game, no joke, seemed like. Utah seemed all of a sudden like they made a national splash with that game. Well, and and probably leads to us getting into the Pac-12. Yeah, played a huge role. Played no a question. Huge role. No and question. One thing I always bring up with my Utah fan friends just to piss them off is like, you know, you've had this whole decade in the Pac-12, and yet the greatest moment was still when you were in the Mountain West. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but like they've been ten years in the in the Pac-12. What, had, do you, what do you? Well, they've had some nice seasons in the Pac-12. Oh, they've sure, been very but, but formidable. They've all, they've all ended in disappointment. I'm just saying, what, I mean, sure, but like in 10 years in a P5, your first 10 years, you, I wouldn't have expected much, quite frankly. No, that's fair. That's fair. You know, so I I don't think it's necessarily that crazy to think that the still the one of the biggest moments in recent memory was the moment that got them essentially into the Pac-12. Yeah. You yeah. Know, I don't know. Yeah. That's all. I don't, I'm trying to play devil's advocate here, I guess. But either way, we're in the Pac-12, and that's, <laughs> that's not, so sure. Yeah, and either way, screw you. It's really, it's really fun year in and year out to have uh, awesome teams. Well, I've, I've tried to hold back my jealousy all these years, but now that we're getting to the Big Twelve, I can admit that I was definitely jealous. Okay, I'm glad. Yeah. I'm happy you can admit that. Okay, so in 2009, there's no question we've all been jealous. <laughs> uh, George is still running is the famous tagline. There, uh, it goes into uh, a two overtime game. That was the second time I ever flooded the field and um, of two times. I was, was at fun. that game. It was miserable, uh, but you, BYU wins 26 to 23. Again, Andrew George uh, catches a ball, goes on for a 25 yard touchdown reception. And wins the game after Stevenson Sylvester collided with another Utah oh, secondary. So depressing. And Robert Johnson, two Robert of my Johnson, Utes of all time. Well, and that and, was uh, one of the few we were both ranked in too, because I know we were both ranked going into that. We were game. both ranked in 08, I'm pretty sure. Okay, that's probably right. Yeah. Um, and which leads to the unbelievable quote of Max Hall: "I don't like Utah. In fact, I hate them. I hate everything about them. I hate their program. I hate their fans." I hate everything. It felt really good to send those guys home. That really, like, I remember. So what's funny about that is after the 2001 game with the Staley pitch and everything where we beat him with Doman, Brandon Doman as the quarterback, I remember Brandon Doman got interviewed out there that in the post game, and he said, you know, I've never really been a big Utah fan because he, like, grew up. He was a Skyline kid. He grew up, like, right in the heart of Salt Lake. And it's funny, like, you kind of get these – post-game conferences you have it from brandon doman you have it from alex smith and then you have it from max hall and just escalates he just turns it up to 11 and well, it's it, everything changes from there well it would have been fun if that happened a few like in the during the social media era and, and to watch how viral that would have gone across the nation with, but sure. it was kind of like pre-social media. that's true yeah. twitter wasn't around i think but it, but it wasn't it wasn't history. what yeah. it is now yeah, no totally. question it wasn't what it wasn't what it was even three years after that point sure yeah so that leads into what Harper uh, has been claiming for the last couple of years as the Hall curse. Oh, my um, God. Because... Which my brother, who I was just talking to, hates that I call it that. He's like, it's not a curse. It and is. I'm like, dude, well, I don't know what else to call it. And that, that to me, exonerates us a little bit. So that's why I like calling <laughs> it a Hall curse. Uh, so I blame Max Hall. It is known as the Hall curse. And BYU has not beaten Utah uh, since 2000 like we're not really that bad we're just cursed and uh <laughs> some famous games that happen uh in those 10 years uh so in 2010 burton brandon burton has a block uh, at the very end of the game 
Uh, Utah wins 17-16. Which, to Chase's point earlier, he was saying this because they were showing that highlight on ESPN. It just seemed like we just got so timid at the end of that game. That was when Jake Heaps, legitimately, I was like, this kid could be really good. Well, that was his moment. He looked so composed in the pocket, and he was just slinging it. And we were just making these 8- to 12-yard gains, 8- to 12-yard gains, like pretty regularly. I do think we got a couple third, like, third and somewhat longish conversions in there but he looked good he just looked good and i'm like this is the future and it's we get to the 30 yard line and all of a sudden we start running it and getting like two yards and then we're like i guess we're just gonna have mitch Payne kick the field goal then and it was a long field goal at that point it was a 45 yarder at least yeah you got to get those low like you in order to hit anything above 35 yards it's coming off a lot lower than normal Making it way more vulnerable for a block. It's such a bad call. It's way too much pressure to put on a kicker. You don't. And if it's a tie exactly. game, I get it because there's yeah. nothing to lose. Less pressure. Yeah. You do not do that when you're no. losing. And no. no. Robert and I, he blew that man. He freaking yeah. blew that. That was Robert and I, right? He was he was gone. Yeah, he was around was then by then still. Because I, yeah, Doma didn't take over till the next year, I think. Yep. Let's yeah, just admit we're right. stalling because we don't want to talk about 2011. <laughs> uh, so 2011 comes along. Well, we can skip over this one. Jake Keith has like I think like seven interceptions, oh, six interceptions. The worst play in the history of football. That that little fumble thing into the end zone. It was not great. Uh, needless to say, Utah goes into Lavelle Edwards Stadium and wins 54 to 10. I will spare you that one. <laughs> the the spread on that game I think was under 10. By the way. Well, what's crazy is BYU had a decent season that year. They finished number 25. But that Are you was, kidding? Yeah, that was just an awful game. Wow. That was also the first year where they played the rivalry game at the beginning of the season because Utah just entered into the Pac-12. Um, in 2012, which is the most ridiculous game of all time and shows how stupid Utah fans are, <laughs> um, 2012 is when the fans rushed the field three different times. Gave BYU two or three opportunities to win it again. gave the BYU kicker three different opportunities uh, to uh, kick a winning field goal or uh, to tie uh, the game. Uh, and they and it was also – Sorry. They all three. It, well, well the, no, the first one was that Riley Nelson – got hit as he was throwing as time was expiring. That's right. And, and the ball hit the ground with like a fraction of a second left, but it looked like time had run out, so everyone rushes the field. And what's crazy, if you go back and watch the replay, Cody Hoffman was wide open for a touchdown. And Riley Nelson wasn't the only time Riley Nelson missed a wide open receiver yeah, for the no, record. No, for sure. But anyway, then the next play was they got put a second on the clock. BYU kicks a field goal, gets blocked. Then uh, one of our guys picks it up and starts running with it, but the fans are already on the field, so then they called a 15-yard penalty. BYU gets another shot, 15 yards closer, and then it doinks off the, the field goal post. It did? Yes. It doinked? I didn't yeah. realize it doinked. It's the it left upright. Which is also, by the way, the red suspenders game. <laughs> it is also the red suspenders game. Bronco Mendenhall was going to tear that kid into shreds. Absolutely. And I love so much how that kid was like backing away as he's like trying to like. What can you do? Him. That's what he said. Like, what can you do? <laughs> Dude, Bronco Mendenhall is ready Bronco to kill him. Punched him in the face. I, I guarantee like... you Bronco Mendenhall can deadlift like 550 pounds. Right, that guy was going to be toast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the next game I actually don't really remember is 2013. It was kind of the last year before. The two-year hiatus. The two-year hiatus. Yeah. Which ended uh, up being only one-year hiatus, it, but yeah. Yep. Um, uh, Utah wins twenty to thirteen. I, I I really don't remember very much of it to be honest. I remember the last play of that game was like Mitch Matthews like going down the sideline, and then he wanted a pi, but it was like it would have been a soft. Mitch Matthews wanted a pi every yeah. time. He was a softest, yeah, freaking receiver. BYU's had softest 
with as much talent and physical capability I've ever seen. Like that ratio was so bad because that guy could go, the dude could like throw it down easy on the basketball court. And here he is not going up to get a jump ball because he's scared and was always calling for the PI. And it's like, just get the damn ball, dude. Like Cody Hoffman was fantastic at that. Anyway, that's my Mitch, my, my uh, Mitch Matthews rant. But anyway, <laughs> gotcha. So the rivalry takes a two year break because Utah goes off and plays Michigan. Uh, but in 2015, uh, they play in the Las Vegas Bowl. Uh, during the first eight minutes of the game, uh, BYU had five turnover- turnovers, resulting in a 35-0 to zero lead. Weirdest freaking game I've ever been to in my life. How did that happen? Uh, Utah doesn't score Again. the rest of the game. Again. <laughs> and BYU uh, cuts it down to 35-28. And keep in mind, one thing, people say, oh, if we just had... A couple more minutes. One thing I want to note is it ended you on a first never down. had the ball. Utah, actually it ended us. on a Utah first down. That's true. I yeah. remember that. Uh, they, yeah. So you never possessed the ball. Yeah, and we didn't do an onside kick, which the, I remember was, was an interesting decision. Was like Wilson? Is that what his name? Was? Um, Travis Wilson? Was Wilson the quarterback? Yeah, he would have been. Yeah, it was Travis yeah, Wilson. I remember him like he scrambled for a couple he, hours. That's right. That, that was, yeah. yeah, he was a freshman. That was the only thing he did that game. Honestly, yeah, I think he rushed for a touchdown when you had the ball like returned. It was almost returned for a touchdown off an interception, and I think he ended up rushing for one. Travis Wilson did nothing that game, basically. And I will say, as much as that hurt to watch, the, I mean, the beginning of that game, I just can't believe that, that's like got to be the most insane first quarter. In the there were BYU football. fans that left oh, at yeah. that point. Oh, but yeah. Watching that comeback was one of the most fun games I've ever had. Despite, I actually agree. Despite losing to oh, Utah and all, and that, that includes was, all games. Yeah. I'm not saying losses. Like that was better than a lot of wins I've been to. It was so weird. Yeah, I think that's when I hit the, my peak frustration with Kyle Whittingham. Yeah. At that point, I was like, "We gotta really consider firing him, really, and getting a new coach." Because, because we, we no offense. Score. Yeah, we yeah. Score. And that was not. Yeah, that was a pretty regular thing at that point. Yeah. Needless to say, that was the last season that I thought that. Okay. Okay. So, anyways, the Las Vegas Bowl. That was a crazy year. That was a that was a fun game. That, that was that really a fun game. game. That was... uh, that's actually where I met uh, oh, yeah. Chase. Yeah. We enjoyed a lovely dinner at Caesar's <laughs> Palace. That's nice nicest dinner I've ever been to. Had a wonderful steak. Actually, that may have been eclipsed. By Ruth's Chris dinner I had recently. That was incredible. But anyway. Okay. Uh, 2016. Uh, so after the 2015 Holy War, Bronco Mendenhall accepts a job at Virginia and uh, BYU hires uh, Kalani Satake. Which, by the way, on the record, I was bummed. Chase was excited. Oh, yeah. Now, we've always kind of had a little back. We've always had a disagreement on Bronco and Kalani, and I'm more of a Kalani guy. Harper's more of a Bronco guy, and we we kind of give each other points both ways. But yeah, I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. I'm not like saying that like Bronco was this amazing coach, but I do think he got more flack than he should have, and I think Kalani gets a little more credit than he should sometimes. That's all. Yeah, fair enough. We can save that for another podcast. Yeah, but... for sure. We that was a, that's a rabbit hole. All right. Uh... 2016 is probably the closest y'all came to beating us uh, in this stretch. Wait, but to, let's let's note this on the record: BYU properly beats Utah in 2014. Which, I mean, it's really hard to say because we you can't ever definitively say. Because here's another thing: BYU I actually mean, just hasn't like beat. You would have beat us in 2020, right? So, <laughs> well, we did because you guys forfeited. But <laughs> yeah, I'm counting that one. The streak's over. You're not getting ten. You don't get to say it's ten if you win this year. Um, <laughs> oh, this is so good. No, but no, those were no, you guys have had been so. Let fortunate. me say this though. There's a caveat though. Yeah. BYU actually hasn't beat Utah by more than a possession since I want to say 
maybe 99. Since I, since I can remember. Or if we even won then. It might be nine. No, actually, it's 96. In fact, I, I'm yeah, pretty dang pretty sure like the, o- the last time BYU has beat Utah in the rivalry by more than one possession was 96. That's, that's correct. Nice. Which goes to show that you actually cannot guarantee BYU wins in 2014 because clearly they've been affected more by the rivalry than Utah has. Granted, Utah's only won by more than one possession maybe three times of the like 12 well, times no, they've won two, in the, two in the last in the la- 20 years. And during this stream, it's only twice. That. They, that was the 54-10 to 10 game and then this most recent one, 30 to 30-12, I think. Yep. And besides yeah. that, though, it's always been like well, right down to 4 52-10, which was 2011. Well, I mean, then... 0-4 wasn't the, during the streak, though. Oh, I know. I'm not counting the streak, though. I'm just saying in the last 20 years, Utah still yeah. won more, by more than three possessions. So they're slightly less affected than BYU, but it does go to show like the rivalry is pretty nuts on it's both sides. So, But still, going back to that, you can't guarantee it, but BYU did have a good shot because they had a really good team, and it was one of Taysom's few full years. I think it was the only year no, he tw- had where no, he didn't get no, injured. 2013 was the year he didn't get injured, but 2014 was the year he started off 4-0, he was oh, pretty yeah. much invincible. And it would have been a beginning games. of the season. That's yeah, right. He was so, like, people talking to him as like a Heisman, oh, sure. like outside shot at the Heisman. Coming there really out. was a good chance BYU would win in 2014. No joke. Like, objectively speaking. We don't know for sure. But there was Could've a real... famous BYU. <laughs> All right, screw you, dude. Okay. Uh, anyways, uh, 2016 uh, game is 20-19. Uh, uh, BYU scores with uh, no time left. Uh, and essentially uh, elects to go for two instead of kicking a field goal to go into overtime. Uh, he runs a draw, uh, a QB option, and Taysom keeps it. Ty Detmer decides at the three-yard line. Ty Detmer decides to turn a three-tool quarterback into one tool. Well, Gives that, him one dimension to deal with, and if he fails, and it well, just well, drives me nuts. I don't know how you do not bootleg Taysom in that play. Yeah. You let him see the field. You let him determine if he wants to run or find a guy that's open. Or you know what? Maybe giving him an option. Maybe well, let him pitch to somebody. Here's the thing: the play might have worked, but the whole left side of the line blew up. Like no, like every guy on the left side of the line missed their block. It's just, true. He he was swallowed up before I, he even got a chance to get. Back why to do you scrimmage. ever call that play with a guy like Taysom Hill? Why do you ever do that? If I remember right, I think Trevor Riley is the one who tackled Taysom Hill, and uh. and Trevor hated BYU. So. Uh, that was one of my favorite Trevor Riley I think moments. I heard that. So yeah. going back, would you still go for two? Or was this like a, we should have gone to overtime? No, I was okay with the decision to go for two. It's the play call that I hated. Yeah, it did suck. Taysom Hill, how often did he lose yards? Rarely. Very rarely. How Like, he just didn't. Like, he... you. Like, the guy's like, oh, freak, I'm about to get sacked. Let me at least get back to the line of scrimmage yeah. or get us a few yards out of nothing. He did that plenty. Well, and that was the game. Like, and that he lost yards on the one play that we needed to yeah. score two to win the game. I don't mind the play call because Taysom Hill's ability to do that was proven. You make him, you do a designed run. I mean, Taysom's best runs were not designed runs. Yeah, I was improvising. Exactly. That that was such a terrible play call. But, After that, I was totally fine thing. with Ty Denver being gone. No one's ever really figured out a good play call for two-point conversions. Like, there's no... Like it's, there's if there was such a good play call, then people would know it. I'm I'm it. fine. Like that's fine. Yeah. I'm still saying though that was the worst play call you sure. could have called You're in right. that yeah, situation. I, I agree. Yeah. But anyway, okay. Uh, 2017, uh, Tyler Huntley racks up a 300 yard passing uh, game, and Utah wins 19 to 13. It's Which, kind of it's kind of a meh. Like, the thing is that was BYU's, that was a lot like 2012 or was that the one two. 
2013, maybe? BYU, like, scored late to cut it down to 1913. Yeah, it was a mad game. I don't remember that one. That that was BYU's worst team in, like, 50 years. And so that that should be kind of disappointing that Utah didn't beat them by more that game. Sure, yeah. That's that's a good point. I forgot about that. That team was terrible. They they lost to UMass. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That was Tanner Mangum. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, moving on. Uh, 2018 oh, is uh, a year famously known as when they actually played the um, game at the end of the season. That's right. Uh, Utah had uh, elected to, or had uh, clinched a berth to the Pac-12 championship game, and uh, Tyler Huntley was not playing. Uh, BYU jumped out to a 20-point lead, uh, and ultimately Utah came back. And won thirty-five to twenty-seven, and it was the largest deficit overcome uh, for either team in the Holy War series. And it was our quarterback, backup quarterback, Jason Shelley, that uh, led the charge there. So, so that you guys intentionally kept Huntley out of that game. I didn't. I think he was hurt. So he was hurt. Okay, okay. I think he was hurt. I got so many texts that game. That's like I don't trust this. And I was like, (laughs) No, we got it. It's our year. Finally, finally, finally. And, of course, it didn't happen. Um, I remember, honestly, the, the thing that killed us was our run game. We were trying to run out the clock. We weren't doing what was working for whatever reason. I kind of understand that. It's like you kind of want to just play it safe. Apparently, we played it too safe with our, like, fourth-string running back. Yep. Remember, it was that white guy. I can't remember his name. But he was little, too. Like, not only Carter. was he... No, it wasn't Carter. Um, he was white, and he was little, and he just wasn't getting it done. And that was the problem, is that we couldn't run a clock out when we wanted to, and Utah was just kept getting the ball back quicker. Well, that's the game that broke our spirits as BYU fans. Like, I think that's I, right. I think up until that game, you ask any BYU fan going into rivalry week, we're like, yeah, we're going to win this game. Doesn't no, matter. Doesn't no. matter. I was not that confident. I didn't, I didn't think we were going to get blown out. I thought it could be a game. I did not think it would be us in control for three quarters. That that blew my mind. Well, that yeah, that because that was later in the year where we had a better sense of who we were. I mean, we were just decent that year. We weren't yeah. that good. Like Zach Wilson but, showed a lot of promise, but we still weren't sure what he was capable of. But I will say, just there was kind of a sense during this whole streak. It's like this is the year we're going to beat him. And after that, I feel like there's been a, a kind of a change in the winds, and BYU fans almost kind of seem defeated in this whole thing. And like this year, I don't sense a lot of optimism going into this game. Oh yeah, there's I actually feel like there's some optimism. Okay, maybe, I think it's I mean, blind. The thing is, I think these people are lying to themselves, and I think they know they're lying to themselves okay. personally. Not uh, Chase though, because he's I, the most delusional BYU fan I know. One of the funniest parts <laughs> of that game is actually at the end of it, uh, they played uh, "All I Do Is Win," uh, and that was maybe one of my favorite moments in the in the rivalry history. Uh, that could okay. have gone. That could have gone without saying. All right, uh, <laughs> moving on in the hundredth meeting of the two schools. Uh, Zach Moss dominated, ran for 187 yards. That was such a boring game. Uh, Didn't that a, game get delayed? Uh, yeah, 2019. Yeah, there was a delay. There, yeah. was, there was the rain delay. I don't even uh, think I watched it after the rain delay. Yeah. It was so won, late at that yeah, point. Utah won 30-6. Well, Francis Bernard, the the freaking traitor, had a pick six in that game. Ah, that he certainly did. I, yeah. He's one of the most hated Utah players ever in and my mind. It still uh, is one of my favorite moments of, or favorite facts of this is that uh, your Lord and Savior uh, Zach uh, Zach Wilson has thrown more touchdowns to his cousin <laughs> uh, uh, Blackman, uh, who played safety and cornerback for the U, because uh, he threw two pick sixes uh, against the U in his career. 
Uh, Anyways, uh, the famous quote after the 2019 year, Tyler Huntley says, we never going to lose to them. They sell poo-poo. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I remember seeing that and just being like... People were very bitter about that. Uh, I mean, yeah. Honestly. Because it was like social media and... Yeah. But like, they they sow poo-poo is like... This... I, I, to me, it's like... How old are we? Yeah, you sound like a sure. third grader. 100%. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just like insult to injury. It's like he's not even... I don't know. I just hated that whole thing. I, I'm, I'm there too. I, I, did. I don't have much to say because I also can't say much because... BYU is kind of poo-poo. Yeah. Well, now that I'm over it, I can say Huntley had a nice little preseason for the Ravens, so yeah, I mean, so good for him. He's yeah. second string. He really for, did, uh, actually. For the Ravens, so good for him. We actually were we had he we had his uh, one of his preseasons games going during another recording, and I remember just looking over every now and then in the background, and he was just tearing it up, man. He's making some good throws. Okay, so that's the history of the rivalry. Essentially, here's what everyone needs to know: it's a very heated game. It's very passionate on both sides. There's been a lot of wins. There's been a lot of losses. BYU fans are currently uh, in a state of sexual frustration. Uh, Is that what you'd call it? Yeah, pretty much. That's a good yeah. way to put it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, you know, they, you, you all want to win so desperately, and who, who knows when it's going to come? So Utah's going for its tenth straight. So You're not wrong. I, I have zero clue when it's going to come at this point. I mean, on no joke. After 2019, I was kind of like, I'm not sure when we're gonna I, it was after that game where i was like i'm not sure when it seems like the that could have been the gap it's like we might now be witnessing the talent gap yeah but that was also utah's best team in the history of their program probably i mean they didn't finish as high as the 2018 but that was probably a i don't know if you would agree if that was a better overall team than 2008 or yeah they probably i mean they, they basically blew it against oregon otherwise they're in the cultural playoff I think the 2019 team that they won 30-6 is actually the best team in Utah history. Yeah, yeah. and so like we lost okay. it. Yeah, so it's right. the best That's team in their history. I, my argument is a lot of Utah fans look at this streak and they just preach this utter dominance they've had over BYU. And like, yeah, like obviously winning nine games in a row, who wouldn't be like arrogant about that, of course. But you, you, like as we just went through that list, like there was only two times where Utah was blatantly – the better team on the field. And every other time it came down to the wire. Now, you still won the games, and I attribute it to three factors. First of all, there's just dumb luck that happens in those close games, and Utah definitely had that on their side. There's also, like, this growing psychological edge they have. It gets to the end of the game, and BYU just, like, shrivels up, and they just they know that Utah's going to find a way to win. And then three, it's, it's that Utah does have more depth. I don't think, like, Utah starters and their best players are necessarily any different than BYU starters. But they have more depth, and you get to the end of the game, and that matters with keeping your guys fresh. And that's why they've always been able to come up with the big play at the end to win the game. And But, like, the the gap that everyone likes to call it, like, I mean, the proof of this is look at the NFL. Who has, like, the more prominent NFL players right now? And you could argue it's BYU. Well, that's not really how you measure it, though. You measure it by who has the most. Because what we're BYU talking about certainly has like the most, uh, like yeah, like the, well, no, like position yeah. players where you're like, wow, that guy's really making an impact. Yeah. But when it comes to just like overall, that's how you measure that difference because that's what I'm talking about when it comes to depth. Utah has more depth oh, and for talent, sure. yeah, and I acknowledge that. Yeah. And so that's that's how you would measure that. I don't yeah, know they're, what they're, I don't know what that's at. I'm assuming there's more from Utah's side than BYU's, but maybe not by much, but there is, right? Yeah, they've had more draft picks for sure. Yeah. B- BYU just has like if you're looking at like household names in the NFL, BYU might have the edge. Yeah, but that's not really the same argument, I don't think. 
Well, it's just, it's just saying that BYU star players are just as good, if not better, than Utah star players. We just don't have the amount of them to, like, cover right. every position on the field. Yeah, but that's yeah. that's the difference, though, that I'm yeah. saying, is that, like, that's why Utah can tap into that next level if they ever need it. If some of their guys are getting tired or whatever, that, like, mm. their second stringers are pretty freaking good. Yeah. And that's where the gap really starts, is between, like, their second stringers versus our second stringers. I would agree that year in and year out, at least for now still, besides 2019, that... For the most part, our first stringers can kind of hold their own when it comes to just the 11 people on the field against their 11, for the most part. Mm-hmm. But then when it comes to the second 11, like when you, when you get into, you know, the 15, the next 15 and 18, whatever, 15 through 18, that's when the gap starts, man. Yeah, like what happens, when, what happens when your starting safety gets a bogus, exactly. a bogus targeting call and he has to go out of the game, <laughs> you know? The, the backup's not going to be as good, and maybe that costs us the game, you know? I truly love it. <laughs> um, Just like how we, you know, had a backup quarterback beat you. But, oh, gosh. <laughs> multiple times. Uh, anyways, uh, I would say the one thing that you're missing out in there is I truly believe that if you were to give everybody true serum in that Utah locker room, Kyle preaches we do not lose to BYU. It is 100% a mentality that Urban brought along and Kyle maintained Yeah, that we do not lose to our rival. Yeah. And, and, he, and, too, and yeah. he downplays it a, a little bit now, but he hates BYU. He oh, does yeah. not want to lose to those guys. And that is preached, I think, like it's universal uh, that it's a celebration that the senior class never lost to BYU. Like that's a that's a – a feather in every single one of those classes. Uh, oh, I don't doubt it. But and and at the same time, it goes. It speaks to that whole idea of Utah respects this rivalry more than they'd like to admit. Yeah, absolutely. And that goes down to their fans as well. well what was the comment? Whittingham recently made some kind of comment downplaying the rivalry or kind of playing dumb or something. Or... Yeah, he was like he was talking about the rival. Somebody asked him about the rivalry, and Kyle was like, "Well, what one?" Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the guy said, the "Oh, game. that's right." He said, that's "Like right. the which one game?" It was pretty funny. But yeah, that's right. Build the man a statue. 2020 honestly i remember you saying this and i want to get it on record now that could have been a year that byu won because utah was definitely fallible yeah, that year a, your offense the worst quarterback I've yeah in particular ever. was bad yeah your defense was actually solid but if you caught us at the end of the season when yeah. they did start playing better at the end of the year i remember that yeah, yeah. when oh, ty jordan rest in peace mm, uh, yeah. when he was going he was electric I would imagine BYU's got something planned for him, as well as September 11th. I would think that'd be cool. Yeah, that would be my guess. I have no idea. I I don't. I hope I don't say that. Nothing actually happens. I think they should. I know BYU like sent them a plaque of something. I knew that. I mean, these are really cool. Clearly, the things that transcend the rivalry, and you you want to talk to that and those tragedies and everything. But anyway, okay. So let's go to the next format of, of of the pod. So we should probably go through this pretty quickly here. Uh, but let's do some Holy War history uh, for the three of us. Uh, so favorite memory? Who wants to kick it off? I already kind of gave mine. It was obviously the Beck to Harleen. I mean, I can't top that one. So. You can't. You being there in the stadium, yeah, if you yeah. didn't say that, everyone would call you crazy. Yeah. For me, it was t- 2001 Dome into Staley pitch. I remember having about like 12th row seats. That pitch happened right in front of us because we were about on the 10, 15-yard line. And that's where it happened. Doman pitches to Staley, 2001. We get in the end zone after, like, a pretty big comeback. Gennaro Guilford then intercepts the pass, which we couldn't see at all because everybody's standing. We were almost field level. And uh, he picked it off and ended the game. That was exciting. We were, I remember the Utah fans in the crowd were saying overrated, 
which was kind of a like theme for BYU that year because here's the thing they were <laughs> their defense was a joke and they were really ranked high they were in top 10 at the time and then our response was undefeated <laughs> it was actually pretty good, <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> um but yeah that was one 2001 Doman DeSaley okay. pitch mine's the Brandon Burton block that one I was in the stands for that one that okay one, that one was yeah that one was awesome solid I'm kind of surprised you picked out not 52 to 10 I mean 52 to 10 was fun uh, but You're right, though. The emotions are different. Yeah, like the winning at the yeah. end. Of the very end yeah, of the that's day, a good it point. Like, it was like, we're going to lose. I mean, it's like... We're going to be blocked. It was pretty cool. It's well, like how I mean, we talk about in our softball league. Like, the the games where we kill teams aren't actually that fun. It's more fun if it's competitive yeah. and then you win. Well, that was a nice comeback for Utah. BYU was up 16-3 to in that game, and then Utah scored two consecutive touchdowns to win it. So. Yeah. There was also the Brandon Bradley phantom fumble in that same game where oh, yeah. like after that interception they called a fumble on him when his it has a picture of his knee down and the ball up here which i guess you could argue is not full possession or whatever right. but yeah i hated that one that was bad whatever okay. uh next one worst memory i'll go first on this one heaps 2011 enough said i was in the box for that game i had to stay the whole time i'm not one of those fans that's like I will never leave early. No. Like, if the product on the field sucks, as an investor, sometimes I'm investing actual money, but every time I'm investing time, yep. they don't deserve it. If they put a crappy product on the field, I'm leaving. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was writing for KSL.com at the time. I had to sit there and take it. Mm. And it sucked. That's when I turned on Bronco was that game, I think. But that was my, pretty early. <laughs> my, yeah, but my worst memory has got to be the 3 to nothing game. I mean... That was a bad sitting, one, Sitting too. through 20-degree temperatures to watch your team put a goose egg on the scoreboard. You can't that was, that, that was pretty bad, but that 52-10 yeah. came out of left field, man. That one was, like, ultimately depressing. The most depressed, though, so that was my worst memory, but the most depressed I've ever felt, though, really, was 2017. 2016? Or 20, no, sorry, 2018. You could, yeah, 2018. 2018, I legitimately yeah. went to bed so depressed no joke i really was like i cannot believe this happened it's like this is going to be a microcosm of my whole life it was really i have no joke i was like i I just can't believe what i witnessed anyway about you case uh so mine was uh again i was on my mission for the two really heartbreaking ones uh so mine was uh georgia still open or georgia still running gotcha i was at the game sitting sitting in the byu student section really so so was i actually i think um, that was that before was we knew each other. Yeah. Um, but that's... actually, one funny story on the magic happens. Uh, so I was on my mission. Uh, my brother never wrote to me, like very <laughs> ever like contacted with me on my mission ever. Like a true brother. Yeah, like a true brother. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Monday happens. You know, checking the email as a missionary, and there's an email from my brother. I'm like, oh sweet. <laughs> Open it up, and it literally just says fourth and effing spelled out 18 <laughs> that's it that was that was the email nice that's so, amazing if you yeah. can track down that email you should have screenshot it and put it on twitter that's <laughs> i'll see what i can do but um sorry yeah. we gonna say more no um i was gonna say about your memory that's like not a terrible one to have i feel like i mean like it sucks for you but byu was expected to win it was a home game we were wearing our royal blue uniforms. I remember for the first time in forever. Yep. Um, Except they got the royal wrong during those years. It, did. it was like a baby I agree. blue. I actually agree. Weird. It did look yeah. weird. Um, to almost win that game was like kind of like good. Like BYU was the better team, objectively speaking. I yeah, think for like sure. that year, like they just had a really good team. For sure. 
Um, but yeah, so for that to be your worst memory, that's a pretty good one, all, all things considered. Anyway. All things considered. All right, uh, best crazy fan story. This one got covered. Brandon Perry, easily. I mean, I, I witnessed that. I was in the stands when he ran out into the field and tackled the cheerleader and then got pummeled. That's but, incredible. There's a lot to that story, too. I, Gosh dang it, Brandon. If you could just come on the podcast and detail the whole thing, it's amazing. Like, there's so much aftermath. Like, he had to spend the night in jail. His mission got delayed because of that, I think, or, oh or at least almost did. Um, the cheerleader threatened to sue his family. They had to get, like, lawyers involved and, like, the, the guy oh, had an geez. agenda because that cheerleader apparently, like, wanted to go to BYU Law School. And, like, he was he was trying to pull, like, some strings there. I, it was weird, super weird stuff going on in the background that, like, just that prolonged that whole situation. But anyway, I, I don't have a crazier fan story than that that I saw. I, I so I in high school I had a BYU sticker on the back of my car, and I was driving on 13th East by like where the treehouse is, and there was another car next to me. This is in Draper. In Draper, yeah, and uh, there was a there was a car with a U sticker next to it, and it was like I think it was like close to rivalry week, so I like rolled down my window, I was like go Cougs or something like that, and there was a bunch of dudes in this car, and they like followed me around for like five minutes, and they were flipping me off, and we were just, like we, by the end of it, we were all just flipping each other off. <laughs> It was kind of amazing, but yeah, that was probably... What grade were you in? It was probably, like, probably high school. Uh, that's right amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. Uh, mine is, is uh, my cousin is a BYU fan and spray-painted uh, a tree of ours in front of our house with, like, a big Y on it on Rivalry Week, and my dad has never let it live down. <laughs> <laughs> he, like, despises my cousin because... Seriously? Of, oh, 100%. Relationship over. Oh, yeah. He's like... He, he vandalized my tree. Is it your is it your cousin on your mom's side or your yes, dad's? Oh, that's even better. Yeah. <laughs> he's like he's yeah. not blood. Yeah. F that kid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's hilarious. All right, next one is when did you realize that you hated the other team? Well, I guess the first thought is when I was a little kid. I remember the first. I guess this is the first time I ever watched it. I must have been like seven or eight or whatever, and no, I was probably younger than that. But my dad had a the game on the TV and I asked him who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. Obviously he told me BYU's the good guys. Sure. But the moment well, he's not wrong. Yeah. Well, the moment <laughs> I really realized that I hated the U it was actually, this is a callback to what your experience where you were kind of just talking about like out loud and someone kind of came into your conversation. So it was after the um, three to nothing game or no, no, this is after the 2005 overtime game. Okay. So this is the Utah won four in a row at this point. And uh, I was walking out in the parking lot in the Edwards stadium and this dad and his son are walking and they're like talking like like a little louder than they needed to amongst themselves to the part where i felt like they were trying to make sure other people heard them and he's like man that's got to be so embarrassing to lose four in a row and i'm like i hate that dad and i want to kill him and his son (laughs) (laughs) there you go i like it um for me it was actually i was in the mtc with a rabid utah fan okay and for the first time, I was like, I cannot believe how irrational this guy is. So I was like cracking the jokes like, hey, man, just FYI, like, you choose to donate to BYU. And he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, well, you pay your tithing, don't you? <laughs> and he was, after that, he's like, oh, he was like seething. He was like, I, oh, he's like, if I could play less in tithing, if I, if I knew it wouldn't go to BYU, like, if I could control that, I would make sure it wouldn't go to BYU. And I'm just like you're insane dude and like it was just stuff like that where it was constant and he was just like he really hated BYU so for me it was like you gotta 
like for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction like that was kind of me i'm like gosh dang it dude like i if if every fan were like you which i knew they weren't but if every utah fan was just like you i would have such a disdain for the entire university right and it was one of those where it's like it made me realize like i guess fans like that do exist obviously i knew it wasn't broadly applicable okay but it was yeah it was then it was in the mtc where i was like this kid's so crazy like i just can't stand it when he talks about utah yeah that's fair yeah uh mine mine dates back actually back to basketball like during the robbie reed era <laughs> that's that's a poll dude that is back in the day oh, absolutely I, i've been going to university of utah basketball games since i was like three years old and that's so, when they were the pride of yeah. utah university oh, man big majerus years yeah the big sweater that's right anyways yeah uh so it probably dates back to like um th- those years the most but um those reed brothers robbie and randy <laughs> yep with their dad yep. roger yep exactly hated hated byu then Okay. That's, when I, that's when I definitely realized. That. Fair enough. That's funny that mine and Chase's have to deal with fans and yours has to deal with players. Yeah. It makes me feel Well, like... it was just kind of everything that surrounded. Like, yeah. I, it was just like the environment, you know, the games. You know, well, for some... Anyways, it, it just... It, it's like been ingrained in my brain. That no, I mean, for some reason, I feel like that makes yours a little bit more legit, too. Because, like, everybody has a reason to hate a university for their fans. And, like, it's never broadly applicable. Like, just some fans will ruin it for the rest of them, you know? Yeah. But, anyway... I do feel like the rivalry just isn't the same in basketball, at least not anymore. It's like, not. Because they just, I feel like it's, we haven't really had a moment recently where both schools are good at the same time. Yep. And so, totally. That's a good just, point. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do remember when we beat Utah in the Marriott Center for what seemed like the first time beating Utah, at least during the regular season in a long time. Matt Montague was the point guard, and all the Utah fans from the crowd and the upper, upper deck in the Marriott Center kept saying when Matt Montague whenever he had it they'd be like shoot it because <laughs> Matt Montague was notoriously bad at shooting and somehow we won that game but I remember Jeff Johnson and Britton Johnson and I hated Jeff Johnson yeah he has since sold my brother a house and this was a long time ago mm-hmm. and my brother's like he's a super nice dude and I was like go figure like okay. I'm sure they all are yeah. <laughs> like, okay Good, good stuff, guys. Good stuff. Okay, we got to get into this real quick, though, like because you had other things for the game preview that I want to yep. touch on. Yeah, that, yeah, that's where we're headed to. Perfect. All right, so let's jump into game preview. Uh, this will we'll go quick on this. Uh, who are we excited about most on our teams? Like, what's the unit that you're most excited about? Let's have you go first. You haven't gone first on any of these. Uh, I am most excited, um, mostly about our quarterback situation. Uh, Charlie Brewer. He looks pretty good. Was is like legitimately the first quarterback that I've seen play since Alex Smith that actually felt confident throwing balls over the middle of the field, and that is a welcome relief. Which is particularly perfect if it's the middle of the field, considering how BYU was last week. Yeah. So our, our quarterback play and our tight ends. Did you watch the BYU Arizona game? By the way, I did. Yeah. It'll be interesting to get your synopsis from that, but we'll hold off on that for now. Um, what I'm most excited about is our receiving core, including tight ends, which we didn't use at all last week. So I kind of wonder if like that's Roderick's way of being like just kind of keeping it in his back pocket and throwing some different schemes so that uh, Utah couldn't clue in on anything. I could actually really see that being the case because we have two very solid tight ends. Yeah. And there was only one. I remember only one of them being targeted last week, 
Dallin Holker. Actually, one of them got a reception, and it wasn't Holker. Holker dropped a third down conversion or something like that. No, Holker. Well, maybe, but Holker also may have gotten a pass interference on him. Yeah, that was kind of that was the goal line play because the guy did have his arm wrapped there and whatever. You see those both go both ways all the time, but um, and then we did the run and got a safety. That was that was a Holker was targeted on that first down, and then we got the safety on the second down. Um, Anyway, Neil Powell specifically is one that I like. I legitimately, no joke, on the way down to Las Vegas, my buddy and I were talking about it, and I was like. I think we're gonna see him go to next level, which isn't a hot take. Yeah, yeah. like, He's but it, it was before that game, and he ended up having a fantastic game. Um, most BYU fans would have agreed that, like, his freshman year, he showed so much promise, and then he had an honor code thing, and then he got injured. The talent was there. It kind of seems like it's time for him to really shine. Yeah, and specifically outshine Gunnar Romney, I would imagine. And then the Nakua brothers, like, to just. I know you don't have much to say about the Nakua brothers, and that's fair because they really don't have much of a track record, either of them at their respective universities. But I just love the fact that we just honestly have a bunch of, like, solid receivers. For sure. And I think Neil Powell could be the guy that's like, he's going to be the one to get us out of a jam if we need it. O- oddly enough, uh, the, the tight end receiving cores for both teams is actually relatively really strong. It, what, do you guys still have that? Was it Fotheringham or something? I mean, we have Fotheringham, Keithy, Dalton grew up, a, grew up a BYU fan, by the way. Fotheringham, yeah. like his dad went there, I think, or something, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and then yeah, you, know, you guys do. I remember Covey and Hanley's not Hanley. there anymore, is he? No, Hanley was good too. Maybe his actually, it might have been Hanley's dad that went to BYU. Now that I think about it, I think Fotheringham went to BYU as well. Or something like that, right? Yeah. Yep. Anyway, all right, Chase. Yeah, I just want to see. I'm excited to see Jaron Hall uh, let loose with his legs. I want to see him take off, and because I think he was kind of holding back in that first game. But I wonder, since it's the rivalry game, he's not. He's going to throw caution to the wind and go crazy. Well, hopefully, it. he has the capability. There's no yeah. question. Utah's defense is way better than Arizona's. Yeah. Like I don't. I don't know if he's going to be able to. Maybe, yeah. I mean, that and just... I'm excited about the Nick Curry brothers, too. I want to see them get their first reception. Like, when I look at the receiving core, like, really what I think of is just, like, the, like, mid-90s receiving core for BYU that's just, like, there wasn't... Besides James Dye, that guy wasn't... He was pretty incredible. Um, Where it's just, like, a bunch of solid receiving guys, you know? It's It's like, you have so many targets because, like, any one of them could just, like, make a good cut at some point or whatever. Apparently... Romney's probably out for the game. Is that right? Yeah, but I, mean, I don't. I, and it's, as bad as this sounds, like I think we'll be fine. I don't think we'll yeah, miss much. I think we'll be fine. As long we, as you have Puka and Samson, I think kind of seems like it, right? Which yeah. they were both injured, so yeah, I don't know where that's that, what their status is. I think they, because Samson came in and caught the onside kick. I did. I did see but, that. But I think they were just kind of keep taking it easy, just to make sure they were fresh for Utah. The kind of seem. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. Okay. Okay. Um, what uh, unit on your team are you most worried about? I'll start. Uh, our offensive line really we were not good and that's good to know i actually didn't know that because i didn't catch a lot of the game and byu historically has a good front seven and if yeah which if utah can't establish the run then it's it's going to be interesting so i would go with uh offensive line i would i would say so i'll just go then um i would say our whole defensive unit is kind of questionable like, I don't know if our de- – well, you know what that said? We did get four sacks last week because we were actually doing some good blitzing, I thought. So our front seven still seems pretty solid. I think the most solid player on defense is um, – it's no question it's uh, – gosh dang it, how am I forgetting his name? It's our linebacker, Wilger, Wilgar, however you say that. Yeah. He's 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 a consistently our best player on defense, I think, linebacker. Um, 
and I think our defensive line might be solid, but honestly, it's our defensive backs specifically, and then even extending off of that, Tuiaki. I'm not sure I trust Tuiaki yet. I'm really, I've been dubious of him basically since he's been around. Um, we'll see. I don't like the bend and don't break thing. I heard Kyle Whittingham's comments on the BYU game where he's like, you know, it just looks like they're kind of like a mistake-free defense where they really kind of let you get like seven to eight yards, but they make you make the mistake and. They don't really let any big plays happen. And I'm like, I feel like Whittingham already knows exactly what he wants to do against yeah. BYU just well, by hearing that. The problem with that philosophy, it works great when you're playing from ahead because it makes teams like take their time. Like, and it's really hard to make it like a quick comeback. Mm-hmm. But if Utah jumps out to an early lead, we're screwed, I think, because that kind of strategy just drains the clock. Yep. That's what happened to Coastal Carolina that game. Yep is they were able to just bleed the clock with a lead. Well, and Arizona, too, yeah. would have these like the, these long, sustained drives yeah. when they would, like, when things were working. And you're just like, holy cow, what is happening here? But, um... I guess you know, I, I'm, I'm having flashbacks to the 2019 game and just the way that Moss just, just five yards at a time, just every mm-hmm. single run. And if, if our defensive line can't hold up against, like, the, the entirety of the game, I'm worried about that. And know, that's when that. we freaking had Manasse Tonga... Mm-hmm. As nose guard, I think yeah. he was in that game. Yeah, well, not Manasse, but Kyrus. Oh, sorry, sorry, Kyrus, sorry, yeah. Kyrus Tonga. Yeah, Manasse was a fullback. fullback yeah, yeah. Um, Kyrus Tonga, freaking beast, yeah, and we he, still couldn't get it done. He got blown up in that game. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, what scares you most about? Did you team? did you answer that question though? What you're worried about oh, the most? Oh yeah, defensive line. Yeah. You're worried about the defensive line? Yeah. Not the defensive backs. Not so much. I think our defensive backs are supposed to be stronger this year than they typically are. Smoked last week, dude. Well, that was. I think that was more scheme than it was the players. Maybe. To be honest. All right. Okay. What scares you most about Utah? Uh, I think what scares me about Utah is just the freaking psychological edge they hold over BYU. Just like (laughs) I think our players, like the streak's going to be in their head and they're going to come out nervous and they're going to make. I mean, this is how crazy is it? Like, how many times has Utah? How many times has BYU thrown a pick six on the first play of the game? It's been like three times. It's crazy. Not the first play. I no, think literally we just... the first play. Taysom did it once. Tanner did it once. And I think Heaps did it once. First drive. First I'm play. willing to give you. You say it was the first. You say first it was three play. times we did the first, first play? play. At least twice the first play, and three times definitely. And you have to drive. fact check yeah. that. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, Do you we'll remember to, specifically? I don't remember that. Yeah, but, I know the first drive for sure. Like yeah. I, that is there's no question it happened the first drive. That one I do kind of remember. Anyway. Um, and I will say that the quarterback Brewer, I think that could be kind of scary to see how Utah does with a good quarterback. So, we'll... Mine's along the same lines as Chase, but it really just, I mean, I'll just say it. It's clearly Whittingham's deal with the devil that he made back in 2009 <laughs> to never lose to BYU. That's what scares me the most. Okay. Like, I'm, I think the devil's real. I'm pretty scared of him. I think it's pretty legit, and I think he sold his soul to never lose to BYU. So that's what I'm scared of. <laughs> I think we could break that curse with another hall breaking that. Maybe I don't know, but we'll see. Okay. Well, there's uh, a lot on the line this year because it's a two-year break after this. So yeah. You got to win. Whoever wins, it's going to be a long two years. Oh gosh. Uh, it's going to be you. <laughs> my, my biggest is uh, Weber State's quarterback was able to get outside the pocket last week, and that's a great sign if for that's us. Any indicator? I think Jaron Hall could have a field day. Yeah. Of being able to scramble. So uh, I, I'm uh, – yeah, Jaron Hall's – I think he's a dynamic quarterback, so we'll, we'll have to see how that goes, turns out. Interesting. That's – I'm really – you're giving me a little bit more confidence. Not enough to feel confident. Okay. But just more confidence. All right. Yeah, all right. 
Okay, let's let's skip the last one since we're low on time here. Uh, give let's let's Actually, go. Oh, do you want to do it? Well, what were you gonna say before? Well, what's the weird thing? So we'll, we'll do. It. I want to. I want to okay. talk about this. Yeah. What's the weird thing that's gonna happen in this game? Um, BYU winning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Anybody else? Um, I'm gonna say there will be a field goal that gets returned as like a like a kick, like when you like return the field goal. That's gonna happen at some point in the game. Okay, like a blocked field goal no, or no, an actual just like field, a field goal, goal that falls like short Auburn, Alabama, yeah, Auburn, Alabama situation. Yeah. Oh, interesting. That yeah. is beyond bizarre. <laughs> yeah, That's like I, I, happened I, once, and yeah, you think I, it's going to happen in this game? <laughs> I'm not saying someone's going to run it back, but there's going to be a situation. Oh, you mean that. like someone will receive a field yeah. goal and try, but yeah. you don't know how the outcome? Yeah, will I don't be. know why I'm where I'm going with that. But yeah, yeah, you're crazy, yeah. but whatever. Weird thing, I don't know. I wish I had something creative, but I don't, because I just think it's going to be a pretty boring game. You think so? Yeah. That's too bad. Maybe that's the weird thing, is I think it's going to be incredibly boring. Okay. Maybe. That could be weird, because it's normally not, let's be honest. Yeah. It's normally pretty exciting. So, all right. Okay, so for the fans, for the listeners here, the spread of the game is a seven-point spread. Did it open us? Yeah, seven-point spread. So it stayed. It, it, moved been, it might have been six at one point, really? but I could be wrong. Um, and the over-under is 48 and a half. Uh, that is, seems high. Which essentially represents that Utah is going to win somewhere around... Vegas is predicting Utah will win around like 21, 28. It's kind of the, yeah, that kind would of, be right. kind of the number that they're, they're looking at. Um, which makes sense. I mean, BYU... There, I saw some a stat today that BYU... Hardly gets thirty plus points against P fives. Like the last fourteen games, they played P fives. USC, they did it, but that was an overtime game. That and that, yeah, it was yeah. once in the last fourteen that BYU even got to thirty, hmm. and it was an overtime game. So, if BYU isn't as even as a chance, it's not going to be that high scoring of a game. But yeah, I feel like you throw the rules out though when it comes to the rivalry. Like, For sure. I mean, like everyone's going to say, "Oh, it's going to be low scoring," then it's going to be a shootout or vice versa. Like. I don't know. Like my my prediction for the game is is going to be this. It's gonna it's gonna be a tale of two halves, like it always is. So one team's going to dominate the first half, and everyone's going to think it's over. Then the other team's going to come charging back. I don't know who's going to have which half, but what's going to happen? I have a very specific prediction. It's going to be twenty seven to twenty seven. BYU is going to have the ball. Second to last play of the game, Darren Hall is going to hook up with Puka Nakua, twenty two yard gain down to the forty yard line, and then Jake the Make is going to hit a 57-yard field goal with time expiring to win 30-27. Awesome. So if yeah. that happens, More what, is, what does like Casey that. have to do? Shave his head? That's not that's not a whole lot. Get a tattoo? No. Of Cosmo? Absolutely not. Of, the, <laughs> of, of not like a cool cougar, but like of actually the mascot doing some weird dance. You have to get a tattoo of I, that. I, I'm more willing to let you post something. Post, I, I will post any picture you want. Okay. on my instagram okay. it has to stay there all right i like it if if byu wins i love it i love it i love your confidence too and as you should have it let's be honest if utah covers okay you have to open up the podcast with utah man next week <laughs> Dude, that's a good one that's all right a good one. done and if it's in between done there's nothing there's, there's, okay that's some skin in the game there yeah. but hold on 
we're really not talking about if Chase's prediction comes true, then. No, I'm saying if BYU wins, you get to okay. You, you get to post any picture. You get to pick any picture. I love it. Okay, <laughs> that's a great bet. I love it. And you can put the caption. You, you, get, you get full control over one post on my Instagram. Does, does it stay up, or is, is this like expire in 24 hours? It, or? it stays up for the remainder of the season. At this time next week, you're coming out of the closet, and, my friend. And I get <laughs> and, and I get editing rights uh, at the end of the season. Okay, I love it. Um, I was gonna say I do think um, the the X factor here that I'm not acknowledging is it's possible. Kalani has taken a new approach on the rivalry game and has really wanted to make a point to beat Utah. Uh, now, granted, he got that contract extension, so I don't know how that plays into it. Maybe the, the Ghanas aren't there as much. But um, clearly it means more to him than it ever did to Bronco. And that was a For big sure. gripe I had with Bronco is that he tried to make it seem like it was every other game. And it's like, no, it's not. It's just not. And that was one of Bronco's biggest deficiencies. Yep. But... Kalani obviously doesn't think that way. It just depends on how he fires his guys up. It seems like he's maybe a little too nice. He's not a jerk like Whittingham is. <laughs> no. Um, but that's what that's how Whittingham gets that mental edge. So Absolutely. I just don't know how it'll play out. And if Kalani is able to bring something different to the table than normal, who knows how this game plays out. That's the one X factor that is very unpredictable, I think, at least. You could argue sure. that this game will define Kalani's career. Like, it might be something to that. It, I think the yeah. season could define Kalani as a coach. Yeah. I've been saying that for kind a while Because last year, everyone's going to put the asterisk with like the, the yeah. schedule and everything. Like This has got to be the year where he shows he can do it again. Yeah. And beat yep. Utah, finally. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. Uh, I would say the game comes down to three different matchups. Devin, Devin Lloyd versus Tyler Algier. Algier? Is that how you say his yeah. name? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Devin Lloyd is our best linebacker. Uh, can he stop Algier? Algier looks good, by the way. He looks a little bit faster this year to me. He looks a little yeah. bigger, too. Yeah. yeah, like he looks, honestly, he looks kind of like Harvey Unga. Yeah. Like he reminds me, like kind of running that way, where it's like he's a he's a big target, and he's he can run. He's got some power. So that's number zero for Utah. And what number okay. is Algier? 35. No, he's 25. 25, 25 sorry. 25. Uh, the next matchup is um, Clark Phillips the third. He's our cornerback. He's going to be lined up against Pau Pau all game long. Uh, How tall is he? Clark is actually pretty short. He's like five eleven or six foot. I'm but, sure he's aggressive. Pau is like six four. He was like right? the highest rated recruit that Utah's ever had. Oh wow. Okay, so, so he's a force. So I mean, height's not everything, obviously, for right. cornerback, but Pau does have an advantage in that regard. And and I think Pau's got some pretty long arms, even a. Yeah. Besides just the six four frame, but height only helps if the quarterback can put it in the right Absolutely spot. Absolutely right. Otherwise, it's absolutely useless, right. Yeah. A good corner will exploit any bad pass at all in that yeah. regard. So. so that'll be interesting. And then ultimately, like Charlie Brewer versus your defensive back. Yeah, that's secondary. that's the one thing I think. Yeah, it, it, to that so point, whatever, however, those three matchups. Just stay. going off of that, that that to me seems like the biggest discrepancy right yep. off the bat. That Charlie Brewer has a huge advantage in that regard, and the other two are like. You never know. Those could yeah, be pretty well, Because I think the line play is going to be pretty much neutral. Could be. I, I think yeah. both lines are going to get their plays. Both lines, I think, are pretty good. And, yeah. And th- that that will be kind of neutral. I think it's yeah. going to come down to those three. Yeah. Those I, three so I would say that like, I kind of like, because I, I know that in the past, BYU's scheme has kind of messed with some good quarterbacks. Like Rosen did terrible against BYU when they sure. played them, but... Brewer's Keaton Slovis, yeah, and that's Slovis a that's actually out. one of two. It wasn't because that was Tuiaki, right? Uh huh. That was that was an amazing defensive scheme that he had going on that game. Call like 
call call balls and strikes, right? Yeah. Kiyoyaki, he's been on the hot seat for me from the beginning almost. That game was incredible because they were really able to confuse Slovis. Now, Slovis was a fresh quarterback. He's a freshman at the time. So, like, mm-hmm. who's to say how much confused or how confused Brewer could be? But there really were. When you saw the way BYU was playing their zone defense with the defensive backs, they were able to make it look like some guys were going to the zone that would then cut away and a different guy would take a spot. And that's why Slovis was getting confused throwing those interceptions. Slovis threw three picks that game. He should have thrown five if I remember right. Because mm-hmm. there were other like two other times where like our guys had it but didn't get it. So if we're able to do something like that, that could also be huge. Well, it comes down to the quarterback's patience and taking what BYU gives them. If they do that, they'll do fine against BYU. But if you try to get greedy or you want to force something in, that's when BYU takes advantage of that scheme where they make you earn it like 15 play drives. And if you have the patience to dink and dunk for 15 plays, you're going to probably win the game. Which but Utah if, but does, if, I feel but like. But if Brewer tries to take some shots, he could get himself into some trouble. For sure. One thing we didn't mention, what was it, 2016? When... Did we, we played in 2016, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Was that the one where we had like plus five in the turnover margin and we still lost? Yeah, that was the one. Yeah, that was a weird – because usually Utah owns the turnover exactly. battle, but that was an exception. So even if we yeah. get four or five picks, who knows, Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, good luck to both of you. Good luck to you. Uh, we're going to need it. I'll be at the it. game. So. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be watching from a destination, oh, yeah. Island Park. Oh, enjoy. In Idaho. It'll be weird to be out of the state during the rivalry. Well, I'm kind of looking forward to it in a weird yeah, way. Away from the mobs that ensue after. Yeah, exactly, because it's going to be chaos. I think I heard Antifa is going to make an appearance. <laughs> Perfect. Because I think most of them go to the U. Yep, they don't want to be in the Big 12. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you guys have anything else? You have anything to promote, Case? Nope. Your Instagram handle? Nope. <laughs> no? Chase? I'm all good. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, boys. It's going to be fun. Go I, I, I enjoyed this thoroughly. Go Cougs. An hourglass sitting on my table, I'm watching because everything's changing. My mind goes to a different time. Oh, love, 